Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.com or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here's Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Welcome to Covenant People's Ministry, the real Christian Identity Sermon. The few quotes from the book of Adam and Eve, which is found in the Forgotten Books of Eden, 62, talks about the two fruit trees. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, But Satan, the wicked one, was envious because of the consolation God had given them. So once again, this is something I was trying to touch upon in tonight's broadcast when it came to pre-existence, free will, and so forth. The reality is is that this is one of the reasons that Satan fell, according to many other non-canonized apocryphal literature. In essence, to paraphrase once again, seemingly many of the angels were upset with the fact that Yahweh God gave man free will, meaning the ability to choose right from wrong, which is something that many of those angels did not possess, meaning many of them were marked or earmarked to be vessels of dishonor. Many of them, like Samuel, Sataniel, were chosen to fall on Mount Hermon, take from among the daughters of Adam, as we can read in Genesis 6, and to cause the conflict that we have on earth. But here it is in verse 62 of Adam and Eve, Satan the wicked one, personified, deified, not our flesh, not an adversarial spirit, not just some a rebel Israelite, but Satan the wicked one was envious because of the consolation God had given them. Verse 2, so he prevented them and went into the cave and took the two figs and buried them outside the cave so that Adam and Eve should not find them. He also had it in his thoughts to destroy them. Now many people will come along and they'll mention, hey, you know, this is not canonized literature. Indeed, that is the case that the book of Adam and Eve and the lost books of the Bible are not canonized. But at the same time, many of them have historical value. They give you background, or at least a superstitious background, as to what people thought at the time many of these uh, sacred writings were transcribed. And this is one such place, the battle over particular figs. But what we see is a modus operandi of the devil. We see that the devil wants to hide truth, meaning many times he'll come along and he'll take what is already there and obscure it by clouds. He'll come along and he'll say, well, you know, Jesus Christ is love, or God is love, for example, but never mention that God is not just love. Truly, God is omnipotent and is all things. Continuing on in 62. But by God's mercy, as soon as those two figs were in the earth, God defeated Satan's counsel regarding them and made them into two fruit trees that overshadowed the cave. For Satan had buried them on the eastern side of it, meaning that he buried it in the sun's path, and each one of them was fruitful, prosperous, and so forth. This correlates and corresponds perfectly with the parables that Jesus Christ taught in numerous Gospels about the parable of the sower, for example, where the sower would go out and he would sow seed. And while the sower could sow that seed, it was truly up to Yahweh God to bring forth the increase. But man did have at least the free will and the ability to choose the foundation by which that seed would be planted. If they planted the seed on rocky ground, well, it wouldn't spring up. It wouldn't bring forth increase. And that was on the back of the sower. Yahweh God could, in essence, not necessarily reach that particular person. But in this gospel narrative, or at least the narrative here in the Gnostic text, or the Pseudopopographia, where it talks about Adam and Eve, there's many additions that are made, and there's many, um, if you will, expansions, and this is one such side of them. So while the devil was trying to hide something, 
Yahweh God it was who was able to turn that into something fruitful, something profitable, meaning fruit trees that are able to bring forth fruit. should be pointed out that Jesus Christ teaches adamantly that we are to judge a tree according to their fruit. That in the King James Bible, it straightforwardly gives the analogy in the book of Ezekiel and Ecclesiastes and numerous other places that many of us, including Satan, would be considered to be like trees or trees in essence, meaning family trees. But verse 4 says this in Adam and Eve, chapter 62. Then when the two trees were grown and were covered with fruit, Satan grieved and mourned and said, Better were it to have those figs as they were. For now, behold, they have become two fruit trees, whereof Adam and Eve will eat all the days of his life. Whereas I had in mind, and I buried them to destroy them entirely, and to hide them for I, meaning that it is in the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the duty of saints to seek it out. And while the devils and his children and progeny do all they can do to hide many things from us, for example, your birthright, for example, the truth and reality of Yahweh's scripture, it is Yahweh God that gives the rain and the latter rain, meaning that Yahweh God can bring their devices to naught. So if we plant a seed, and even that seed on unfertile ground can be brought forth, if it be Yahweh's will, because nothing can thwart Yahweh's will. So here it is, Yahweh goes ahead and gives increase. And the devil realizes his folly. The devil says, well, it would have been better just to have those two figs in my hand, because as soon as I planted them, Yahweh God thwarted my perversions and was able to turn them and bring that about for good. This is the story of the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, that no matter what the devil or the enemy can bring forth, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, him being delivered up to Pilate, Herod, whatever that is, or many of the atrocities that the ancient children of Israel, your forefathers and mine, had to go through, were designed by Yahweh God. Yahweh God designed them as such, again, to call the herd, if you will, and see who it is who will serve them. Do you have a heart inclined to the truth? Do you want to know truth, or do you want to play church? Sadly, a majority of people out there would rather play church. The reason they would rather play church is, once again, no accountability. Well, it's much easier to go to a pastor who says, you know what, there's nothing wrong with you, Peggy, being married to Leroy Brown here. Of course they're going to go to that preacher before they come to someone like Pastor Visser. Why? Because Pastor Visser is not going to necessarily candy coat it for him. I don't necessarily care who listens to me or doesn't. It is about the truth, and the truth is the most important thing. And it should be pointed out that even in our canonized Gospels, that was the very first trick of the devil, was to come along and take away truth. How can I say that? Very simply. Because Yahweh God straightforwardly charged Adam and said, in the day that you touch of that tree, that proverbial tree or metaphorical tree, you shall surely die. And the devil came along much later and said, yea, hath God said, ye shall not surely die, in essence, taking the truth of Yahweh God, perverting it and casting doubt upon it. You can rest within his word, even in the King James Version in many ways, with all of its errors, Yahweh God is still able to reach his Zadok, his elect, and his chosen bride, wherever they are. So we can be on a small island, and we can have nothing but the King James Version of the Bible and no outside contact at all. And if Yahweh God opens our eyes and opens our ears, then we will come to the very same truths that many people throughout the decades have taught you and opened your eyes to. This is the mysterious plan of Yahweh God and how Yahweh God can do what he wants and charge you to do what we must do, oftentimes without even understanding. The devils didn't understand why Yahweh God gave man free will. Man oftentimes doesn't understand why Yahweh God gave us free will. But be that as it may, the ideals are still there. If we judge a mess, if we judge the law, well, these are things that can affect our judgment. These are things that can keep us out of the kingdom. So the devil learned. Better it would have been to left those figs as they were. Because through Yahweh God, he created two fruit trees. Verse 5 in Adam and Eve 62. Devil speaking. But God has overturned my counsel and would not that the sacred fruit should perish. Stopping right there, sacred fruit. And that's the whole symbology of dual seed line Christian identity. When our eyes are open to the Proto-Evangelion, to the original sin and what happened in the Genesis account, 
when we understand words like beguile and seduction and all of these things, then suddenly the rest of Scripture is able to open up. And as we read from Genesis into the latter minor prophets of the Old Testament, we're able to see that it was a continual attack on the seed line, going all the way up to Mary before Jesus Christ was born. And no wonder, for it was that chosen seed through Seth, meaning replacement, that Jesus Christ would come. And while there were many people throughout that seed line of Jesus Christ, like Rahab the harlot, and many other people who could have been considered sinners, and King David could have been considered adulterers, it was once again Yahweh God proving that he had power and supreme authority over all of the devil's devices. In light of this information, it should show you the irony and the hypocrisy and the ludicrousness of the devil's quote-unquote temptations to Jesus Christ. For as soon as Jesus Christ was baptized by John in the River Jordan, he went into the wilderness. And while the Spirit like a dove ascended upon him, and he was imparted as our example with the gift of the Holy Spirit in the flesh form, that was the point in which the devil came. And that was the point in which the devil quote-unquote tempted but it was Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah, who found none of the devil's temptations tempting. And this is the reason why. He owned the entire world, because Scripture straightforwardly says the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to Yahweh God. So consider the ludicrousness of the devil offering God what was already his. Tie this in perfectly to the concept of Jesus Christ teaching, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. It comes down to the perception of the believer. Once again, a proof of free will. How can I say that? Because if you truly believe Caesar owns the gold, if you truly believe Caesar owns the land and you pay taxes to him so willfully, then Caesar can become your God. But in light of the scripture, the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to Yahweh God, we will render to Yahweh everything, because Yahweh God owns it. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the Gospel, and would like to be a part of our fellowship, or receive monthly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.com where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts. You can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It's been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. Irregardless of the devil or man coming along, stamping God's gold with his picture of his face, and calling it a shekel or a gold piece, and putting a monetary value on it, the actual fiber, the actual creation, the metal, the minerals, and everything else were afore created by Yahweh God. Meaning, once again, that the devil can only pervert. And as Yahweh God created his sons and daughters perfect in the very beginning and saw that they were good, the devil's main attack was on that bloodline. And so it stands today, the devil's main attack is on that seed line still. And through the propaganda mill, through public school and through the media, they continually bombard our children with nonstop propaganda and campaign ads, teaching them about the joys of diversity, the joys of race mixing, and all of these other things that will eventually, according to scripture, bring them harm in later life. But God overturned Satan's counsel and would not that the sacred fruit should perish. Continuing on in verse 5 of 62, the book of Adam and Eve. And he has made plain my intention and has defeated the counsel I have formed against his servants. And so here it is, Satan, once again, living up to his name, and his name is the accuser of the brethren. But the devil seeks counsel against the true saints of God, against his preachers. This is the reason why they are so vilified in the media and on certain web pages throughout the Internet, because it's counsel. 
Just like wise King David tells us in Psalms and Proverbs that the wicked rise early and can think only wicked thoughts, destruction, chaos, and all sorts of bloodshed for you and your life and your kin. We can't necessarily know their thoughts. The truly born of God don't necessarily need to know the depraved thoughts to know something is wrong. The way of the liberals to come by and say, well, you owe it to yourself. You need to explore yourself, your inner psyche, your inner God, your third eye, or all of these concepts. They say, hey, you know what? You don't really know, and you can't mock homosexuality unless you walk a mile in their feet. No, you don't. Reality is, is it's written in God's law. It's an abomination, and that's all you need to know. To make a long story short, the reason I'm bringing this analogy up is because we don't need to know evil to know that it is wrong. That, in essence, in a nutshell, was the original sin or partaking of it. Not necessarily the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Meaning that you know particular acts are wrong, whether they're sex sins, whether they're debaucherous acts, murder, kidnapping, and so forth, because that was given in his law. But partaking of that was the sin. And in partaking of that forbidden fruit, they became corrupted. They forfeited their position in paradise, which brings us right up to what I'm preaching today. This is after they were in the cave. And while many imposters out there attempt to preach from the cave of treasures, they have no idea where it actually comes from. But what happens, once again, final verse of chapter 62 of Adam and Eve. Then Satan went away ashamed of not having wrought out his design. And this is the modus operandi time and time again. The devil could put a snare and a stumbling block like Balaam in front of the children of Israel. He could come along and prophesy falsely to them. He could come along and offer the devil the entire world, but every single one of those things were a lie because the devil knows not truth. And Jesus Christ confirms this in John chapter 8, verse 44. Continuing on from there, many of you have heard me preach it time and time again, but it is a pivotal teaching. You of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Who was the first recorded murderer? Cain. Now I ask you, dear kinfolk, did God err in creation? Was it predestined that Cain should raise up and kill Abel? Or was it divine providence that through Seth, Satan would be ashamed again? Time and time again, no matter what the devil does, whether he falls, whether he's lifted up, whether he desires to be worshipped and reverenced as a god, he is brought to shame. This was seen and confirmed in the sacrifice Jesus Christ made. While Jesus Christ sat there, and darkness descended upon the face of the earth, well, the devil thought he had won. The devil most likely rejoiced, that is, until the earth trembled, that is, until the veil of the temple was rent in two, and the devil didn't even realize through his own mischievous mind and through his own stupidity, or at least vanity, that he, once again, through his attacking and prodding and will only, brought about Yahweh's will and perfect will on earth. How can I say that? Because no longer would we need a mediator. No longer would we have the holiest of holies. Man could now approach Yahweh God de facto, meaning face to face. They'd already seen him. Jesus Christ was he. Emmanuel, God with us. And so we should not mistake this very important aspect. Obadiah and myself covered tonight these concepts. Predestination is fact. Throughout Nave's topical Bible and throughout all of Scripture, there's time and time again confirmations of predestination. I can give many of them, but they continue throughout all of Scripture, and they begin with the promise given to Abraham that the elder should serve the younger, meaning that Yahweh God would come through that seed line, and that Jacob, through his working and contriving of the birthright, doing what he needed to do, wasn't engaging in trickery, wasn't engaging in witchcraft or any such variance, but rather was working towards being called and chosen and seeing Yahweh's will manifest on earth. It was no different for Jacob, who was manifesting the law, meaning the will that the elder should serve the younger, than it is for you and I, who should know the will of Yahweh God through his law, which is found in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. He knows what's best for us, and it is transcribed there, so we will not fail. So you will know that figs are representative of fruits, that there is a cursed fig tree out there, which is an entirely different study in and of itself, but why that tree was cursed. 
many people within Judeo-Christianity probably wouldn't even touch that concept. Or if they did, they would look at it on a surface. They would say, well, Jesus Christ must have not liked that fig tree. That's why he struck it dead and it withered. But once again, when we're talking about people and we're talking about family trees, we see once again that all of these trees were part of the divine providence of Yahweh God. So, in summation, this ties in perfectly with what I've taught time and time again. While those two trees were given man, Adam and Eve, in the very beginning, and they had two choices, once again, like the children of Israel had before they entered into the land of Canaan, there was no difference between the choices. Adam and Eve were offered a choice. That was life or death. Through the knowledge of good and evil came death. And of course, Jesus Christ came to set forth what Adam brought into existence. And indeed, it was Adam. So all you women haters out there want to blame Eve. Reality is, is Adam straightforwardly told the truth to Yahweh God. When Yahweh God walked, said, What hast thou done? He said, The woman which thou hast given me gave me the fruit, and I partook. No lie there, no trickery, no blaming the weaker vessel, but he told the truth. And as one, they were judged as one, just as you and your spouse will be if you're fortunate enough to have a virtuous man or woman as a spouse. Each and every one of us are judged as one. And that's why the concept of polygamy is almost ludicrous in this latter era. Jesus Christ has one bride, and if we're going to teach polygamy, then we might as well open up the fact that, well, all of these other nations can be his bride as well. It simply doesn't fly in the face of common sense. So, with that being established, dear kinsfolk, thank you very much to Bruce Gorman for calling in. I'm looking forward to future phone calls with you, and yes, I would be happy, I'm sure Obadiah would be, to most likely go on your show or have you back again on our show to discuss some of these deeper concepts. As Obadiah has mentioned, next week's show will be the No Devil, Pro Devil Doctrine. Many people want to come along and say there is no devil. Well, this just so happens to coincide and correlate to Judaism, which teaches the concept of Yitzhahara, meaning that everything man does is wicked and brought about by his own lust and his own flesh, and we must have a bar mitzvah to clean ourselves of Yitzhahara so we don't have impure elements. Dear kinsfolk, what I'm saying is this. All religions, at least all Abrahamic religions, have a Satan, have a great deity known as the accuser of the brethren, except for one. And that just so happens to be Judaism. It is Judaism that has no devil. It is Judaism that has no demons. It is Judaism that wants you to think that it is only your flesh that leads you to sin. Why? Because they want you to think God messed up once again. For the millionth time, is it any different than those out there who say Yahweh God had his way in the Old Testament, but he messed up. It didn't work, right? So he had to send Jesus Christ to come and straighten out the mess. This, dear kinsfolk, is not the biblical story. There's so much more to the greatest love story never told that Obadiah and myself can't help but keep telling it. So with that being established, I will invite you again to swing by for our No Double Pro Double broadcast next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and following that in two weeks, which will be exactly on the 23rd, we will be having a broadcast on polygamy versus monogamy. If you require further teachings on that, I believe both forums, the Christian Identity Forum.net and CovenantPeople'sMinistry.org, have threads centering around the concept of polygamy and monogamy. Should be a hot topic, and hopefully, with enough advance notice, some of you women callers could call in. Linda would be a perfect example, and several other of the women supporters to give your input on the concept of polygamy and monogamy and what you believe Yahweh God's will for man is. So thank each and every one of you for listening. There's still about 20 of you in the chat room, but I'm going to have to cut it short tonight. So thank Obadiah for uh, calling in and co-hosting tonight, and thanks to Bruce Gorman for adding his input. Until next week, this is Pastor Visser, again from the heart of the Dirty South, that is Brooks, Georgia, about 45 minutes south of Atlanta, wishing you and yours great studies, war for Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the Gospel, would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive monthly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visitor's CD sermons. Be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.com.
where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts. You can easily listen to Pastor Victor by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, you will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It's been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. I released, I'm not sure exactly which one, actually has a picture of me and a Jeremy Miller from Family Ties, right? And Kirk Cameron. <laughs> you do not have well, the power yeah, well, to create something by speaking it into existence. You know, calling me a man. <laughs> but you haven't seen me, Marty. I mean, you know, look, look. <laughs> It's, uh, as I told Wickstrom, I said, uh, you better not get in my way if we're hunting down a Jew and running after him, because I'll trip you, because uh, I'm going for the <laughs> world record, six million and one. And I know that uh, Pastor Ninsett might want to keep this under his hat a little bit, but uh, believe it or not, <laughs> we're setting up, uh, in, in Granby, Missouri, we're setting up a a decay straight the lion. But I often look back in that, in retrospect, and, and I wonder if it's just the acknowledgement of knowing who controls the weather as to why our house was spared and no one else's was, because it was directly on that line, and the tornado just went right up over the house and landed on the other side and kept going. I never, I never, hey, I never said that. So, well, then why don't you say that? Why? Because I don't want you to know what I know. Oh, well, what do you know? You know nothing. I know your mom's name is Olga. After, especially after the Jews, the Edomites. Uh, as uh, your namesake Obadiah, the book of Obadiah abundantly proves. Not my real name. <laughs> right. Now, Jeremy, would now be a good time to um, give a, a very exciting announcement? Yes, it's always a good time for a very exciting announcement, I say. Well, uh, Pastor Martin Lindstedt passed away this morning. No, oh, that is the <laughs> best news CI has heard in a long time. And then there's some real hook-nosed sheets, like, uh, like Bill Shatner, hook-nosed camera-hogging. Jewish douchebag. Yeah, I'd say it's a lot different, or or it seemed to be, because you know there's a lot of little factions now, and a lot of little dogmas that have come into Christian identity to where. There's a lot of, you know, like the no-devil, pro-devil belief.
you Can I ask you a question? Yes. If you don't like black people, what are you doing hanging out with Mark? I don't know if you hear one called Modern Family on ABC. Oh, I've heard nothing but bad stuff about I, that one. Oh, and then there's that Dancing with the Stars and this Honey Boo show. I've, I've heard of it. What's that Honey Boo show? Honey Boo and Big Thumb. Yeah. Logan heard, likes that show. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive monthly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. 
You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.com, where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts. You can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It's been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. Hello, Mr. Sulu on the bridge. Welcome to Pastor Visser's Covenant Peoples Ministry, the real Christian identity servant. <laughs> this is a modus operandi that the enemy uses time and time again, going all the way back to the very beginning. It was Yahweh God who created that serpent, and he created the serpent to be subtle. Subtle. This is why Jesus Christ says we must be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. The reason for that is we must know the mindset of what the enemy does, but not be corrupted by it. This was the reason why Eve could not partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, be that as it is, because only Yahweh God can know good and evil and not be corrupted. Mankind would each and every time. But with this evening's broadcast, I'd like to end on a positive note, and I'd like to end with some words from John. That is the Apostle John and his epistles. John was considered by Jesus Christ to be one of the most loving disciples, and it bleeds through in his epistles and his writings himself, most assuredly the book of Revelation. But tonight in First John chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Stopping right there. What type of love moved Yahweh God to call you his sons? He's talking on both a physical and a spiritual aspect. But being the sons of God is what the goal is for, dear kinsfolk, and that's what we must not neglect. As nations fall, what happens is we become complacent, we become fat, we become so blessed that we give it away. Jesus Christ said that it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. But America and Australia and many white European countries do this nonstop. But John says... And they revise, see what love the Father has given us that we are called the children of God. That, in and of itself, is a blessing. Yahweh God calls us that we can be inheritors, inheritors of the promise. Continuing on. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Now, overlay this with the fact that Jesus Christ straightforwardly said, Marvel not when the world hates you, because it hates me first. It does not necessarily hate you, but the morality you represent being a man, woman, or child of God. What am I saying? The morality of Yahweh God. This is why the Judeo-Christian comes along and says the law was done away with. The law is the offense, but not so. And John taught no different than Jesus Christ, which was the law. What law is that? That we are the sons of God. And as the sons of God, it makes it a racial war. Now, the Judeo-Christian loves coming along saying, hey, you know what, we're going to spiritualize this. We're going to say anybody can be Israel as long as they believe in whatever other dogmas they may come along, but John's not saying that. He says, behold, what manner of love. Next verse. That is verse 2 in 1 John chapter 3. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that. When he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Understand it. Yahweh God is spirit. Therefore, each and every one of us must worship him in spirit and truth. Truth is the word of God, according to John seventeen seventeen, and you've heard me preach it countless times. Jesus Christ says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. If Jesus Christ says it, that means it is truth. So the only way to worship Yahweh God, of course, is just as Jesus Christ said. No man can come under the Father except through him. But now we are the sons of God, and we will see him as he truly is. What is John saying here? A restoration, dear kinsfolk. Understand it. Abel, Cain, Enoch, many of these people, but most assuredly Adam and Eve, walked with Yahweh God, held his hand, if you will, in a proverbial sense. 
knew him. Yahweh God was physical to them, made his face known to them. But Enoch eventually walked not, and Adam and Eve no longer walked with Yahweh God. Meaning, Yahweh God will remove his face from those he may cast out time and time again. But what John's saying here is there will come a time when we will all see him, not the whole world, but we, his chosen bride, his beloved Israel people, will be able to see Yahweh God as he truly is, not spirit, but his physical manifestation. And I'll say right now, dear kinsfolk, that that physical deity, the physical form of Yahweh God is Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah. There is no difference. This is the reason why Jesus Christ would say time and time again, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There is no difference between Jesus Christ and Yahweh God. But next verse, verse 3 in 1 John chapter 3 says this, And every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Understand it. Yahweh God doesn't say, hey, go out and live as dirtily as you want. Go out and be a crud, a homosexual, or whatever these things are. Yahweh God, through Jesus Christ, like he says in John chapter 8, says go and sin no more. Now, earlier in the broadcast, someone asked the question, why is the devil always seen, or at least correlated and paralleled, with the vision of the goat? Well, there can folk, the reason for this is scriptural. The reason for this is because in Leviticus, Deuteronomy as well, there was always a sin atonement. But at the same time, while the children of Israel were able to make sin atonements for their own sins, using turtle doves, lambs, and so forth, bullocks and cows, if you will, there was also what's known as the scapegoat, quote-unquote. It is a biblical term. And what the high priest would do was would allow all the men of Israel to come and lay hands upon a goat and cast the goat out, and that goat would eventually be slaughtered. Also, a sin atonement. Now, it should also be pointed out that Judas was also considered in Scripture to be a quote-unquote Judas goat. Why? Because that goat company that stand on the left hand of Jesus Christ in judgment are the same who say, did we not do miracles? Did we not do great works in your name? And Jesus Christ will say, depart from me. I never knew you. A million and one people out there, including porn stars and pornographers, can come along and say, you know what, I'm Christian. I wear this cross. I look outwardly as if I'm just like you. But tears look like wheat. And that's what Jesus Christ wanted the world to know. So while Yahweh God's face or physical manifestation of himself is removed from us, at least as we live in this earth age in these flesh bodies, John, loving John, is straightforwardly reminding you that there will come a time when we will see him as he truly is. Verse 4 in 1 John chapter 3. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. Stopping right there. This is the biblical definition of sin, dear kinsfolk. And as you ask your Judeo-Christian pastor what is sin, he cannot answer it. He'll usually say, well, sin is being judgmental. Sin is being racist. Sin is not allowing homosexuals to marry. But John is giving you the biblical definition of sin. Whosoever commits sin transgresses the law. That's how we define it. And that is the reason why when the law of God was broken in the Old Testament, there was a sin atonement made, whether it was a lamb, bullock, or a goat. But under the new covenant, Jesus Christ, for one and all time, shed his blood so we would have an acceptable sacrifice. And you've heard me say it time and time again. As he hung from that cross, he made the law more stringent. Because now the children of Israel couldn't just go and say, Hey, I'm going to sacrifice four turtle doves here and sprinkle the blood around the altar and I'll be forgiven. Rather, they wouldn't know. Jesus Christ's grace is sufficient indeed. But there is no guarantee. And as he says to those on his left, depart from me, I never knew you. That's not the company I'd want to be in, dear kinsfolk. Continuing on in verse 4. For sin is a transgression of the law. Say that again. Sin is a transgression of the law, period. Quote, unquote. That is what is biblically defined as sin. So while the antinomians and majority of the Judeo-Christians come along and say the law is the offense, the law was nailed to the cross, the law is something that is essential. Why? It gives you the background and the morality and details what God's will 
is. His will is his law, and it's right there for you to see. Meaning, dear kinsfolk, that it is still against the law to serve other gods. It is still against the law to steal. It is still against God's law to covet, and it is still against God's law to murder or commit thonyance and all of these other things that are in the Ten Commandments and make up all 759 laws. Now, man comes along and acts like the law is the offense, but what truly in the law of God is hard to follow? Save that for another day. Verse 5 in 1 John chapter 3 says this, And ye know that he, who? Jesus Christ, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Period. No sin at all. He was a perfect example. So when the no-devil, one-single-seed-liners want to come along and say, well, Jesus Christ was just tempted by his flesh because there is no devil, what they're saying is that Jesus Christ was sinful, that he was not perfect. And that, dear kinsfolk, is contrary to the Bible, contrary to what we're reading right here in verse 5. In him is no sin. According to the Revised Standard, in him there is no sin, period. It doesn't matter what translation you're reading, you best accept, if you profess to be a Christian, the ideal that Jesus Christ was without spot and blameless. How can I say that? Because if he was not without spot and blameless, he could not have been an atonable sacrifice. And if he wasn't atonable, meaning acceptable to Yahweh God, then none of our sins would be purged. And what is sin? Once again, a transgression of the law. So as the world comes along and mocks pastors like myself and says, well, what does it matter if you eat pork? What does it matter if you covet? What does it matter if you're a homosexual? This is the reason why. Because judgment begins right there. Yahweh God says through Jesus Christ, behold, I have foretold you all things. Do you believe it? You don't need a latter-day prophet. You don't need them to come along and say, you know what? I had cream cheese and bagels with Yahweh God this morning, and I have a message for you. Oh, no, indeed. Rather, the reality of it is God's word was there in the beginning, and it's sufficient. He has foretold you all things, and it's foretold in his word. So don't be shocked if we, in judgment, many of us will stand on the left hand of Jesus Christ. Many of these people spent their entire life praying to a God that never heard their prayers. But they deceived themselves, just like Second Peter chapter 2 says that I covered weeks ago. They deceived themselves because, well, there's spots in your feast of charity. They sit there and they say, hey, I've done no evil. Rather, they've redefined morality time and time again. And they say, you know what? Well, the racist is the problem. The homosexuals not. So they open their church to the queer. And then they condemn people like myself. They show their humility and they show their lack of love. But he was manifested, Jesus Christ, to take away our sins. That's the reason he came. That amongst many others. Now the overlaying of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, of course, stems from the fact that according to the law, a bride is not free to remarry unless her husband is dead. That's in Leviticus, that's in Deuteronomy. But that's also overlaid between the greatest love story ever told. And that is between Yahweh God and his people. His people are Israel. He put them away. Indeed, and Jeremiah confirms that Israel are a people. And as they were put away, he had to die in order for them to go and remarry. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive monthly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.com where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts where you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that has been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. So now you have that quote-unquote free will. You have the ability to go out and say, hey, this day I choose a New Age religion. I choose Buddha. I choose Mecca, Allah, whatever it is. I choose my flesh. And you can do that, dear kinsfolk. 
because Jesus Christ did die. That's another reason. But first and foremost, he gave up his life, meaning that no man took it from him, for the remission of sins. We were born into sin. And of course, the Judeo-Christians love playing up this aspect and say, well, it doesn't matter that we're, you know, really born into sin because, well, without grace, nothing else matters. Indeed, grace is the most important, and it should always be grace before race. But that's a side note. Verse 6 in 1 John chapter 3. Whosoever abideth not in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. Understand that. Get it through your head. Let's read it in Revised Standard Version. No one who abides in him sees no sin. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Now within this lies a key. And the key is, wow, Many people out there wonder, how can it be that Paul said all Israel is saved? It's a very simple concept, dear kinsfolk, when we understand the ideal that not everyone who says unto him, saying, Lord, Lord, not every tear out there who looks like wheat, saying, hey, I also be Christian, too, is. And that's the reason for it. Wow, these tears must exist to make sure that you will serve the true God. These tares also can draw and suck up elements from the soil, depriving the weak company of their much-needed elements. But if we abide within him, truly abide within him, is what John is saying here, if we truly abide within him, then we won't sin. Now, if we go and we have an altar call and we say, you know what, I opened my heart to Jesus Christ today, and we go out the next day and we violate the law of God, does that mean that Yahweh God, that Jesus Christ does not abide within us? Yes, it does. And while the Judeo-Christian will say, downplay this aspect and say, well, no, it doesn't really mean that. It means virtually, yes, indeed it does, and it was no different under the Old Covenant. Meaning this, that Yahweh God, the Holy Spirit, cannot be imparted on an unclean vessel. This was the symbology of atonement. This is why we needed to be made clean through sacrifice. Clean in the aspect that the Holy Spirit will not be imparted unto an unclean vessel. Meaning, if we are not cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ, meaning not in sin through his grace, then we simply will not make it. Jesus Christ simply will not hear our prayers, and Yahweh God will judge us accordingly. But don't think for a minute that we can stand there at the great white throne judgment and tell Yahweh God, well, Billy Graham deceived me that Joel Osteen told me this, or Marty the Chomo child molester said this. What matters is what's written and transcribed within the Word of God, and more specifically, within the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic. The true meaning of what's being said. What John's saying here is whoever abides in Jesus Christ won't sin. Whoever does sin doesn't know him. Period. That's how it is. There is no gray area, and that's what the Judeo-Christians want you to think. They want you to think like the devil told Eve that you can sin a little and get by. But the reality is, is all sin is like leaven. It will expand not only in judgment in the world to come, but right now. That is the reason why Yahweh God says, if you will obey me, if you will hearken unto the commands I give you today in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, in the Exodus from Egypt, then I will bless your land. Then you will have the ability to have all these blessings I lay out before you. But if you turn from hearing my word, if you violate the law of God, and more specifically, if you say the law is the offense, then I will add you to the curses. Do not want to be added to the curses, dear kinsfolk. I pointed out over five years ago in my sermon, Abomination of Desolation, that the world would be pretty much exactly how it is today if we appointed a man-king over us who was anti-Christ at his core root. Now, that we are in First John, in the epistles of First John, it should be pointed out that John is he who gives the biblical definition also of Antichrist. It appears four times in, in all of Scripture, that is the word Antichrist, and all four times it means the same thing. Whosoever denies Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Whosoever denies that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, period. He is an Antichrist. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. So do not forget that biblical definition. Why? Because it explains who's who and who's Jew. Whoever abides in him sins not. 
whoever sins has never even seen them. That person is not Israel, for lack of a better term, to paraphrase. Therefore, all Israel truly is saved. Even though this was a Christian, even though this person was white, well, he sinned. He was the one who came along and said, you know what, I don't want to follow the law of God, as if anything in there was hard to follow. Wanting to live a debaucherous life, obviously wanting to kill, to steal, to destroy, to covet, to serve other gods, to uh, violate the Sabbath, to curse their mother and father, or whatever the law is that they seemingly have such a problem with. Verse 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteous is righteous. Stopping right there before I end for the evening. Understand this. Whosoever is righteous, righteous. It's that simple. If it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, well, chances are pretty good it's a duck. But you're not going to get good fruit from a corrupt tree. No matter how much you prune that tree, how much you feed that tree, how much you water that tree and give it good foundation, a simple fig tree is not going to bring forth figs and brandles and vice versa. And on the same token, you're not going to get a beautiful pink grapefruit off of that fig tree. So, common sense. Whosoever does righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. Final verse for the evening. Pay close attention. That is verse 8, 1 John chapter 3. says this. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Stopping right there. Of the devil. This word in the Greek means ek, ex, Meaning progeny and or origin. What John is saying here is, little children, don't be deceived. He that committeth sin is of the devil, born of the devil, of his seed and his children. Now, sins, of course, were varied within the law of God. There were sins that were small atonable, and there were sins that were sins unto death that were unforgivable sins. So as a Judeo-Christian comes along and says, well, all sins equal in the eyes of Yahweh God, ask him straightforwardly, if all sin is equal in the eyes of Yahweh God, then how can there be an unpardonable sin? The unforgivable sin is very real, dear kinsfolk, and that's a topic for another day. But part of that is here in 1 John chapter 3. He that commits sin is of the devil, or a polite way of saying born of the devil, in a spiritual and or physical sense, if you want to take it that way. This is why Jesus Christ in John chapter 8, in John's gospel, when he's attacking the Jews, says, you be of Abraham's seed, and they say, we be not born of fornication. Because they understood the difference between pornea, if you will, in the Greek. The word fornication meaning being born bastards through that lineage of Cain, the Canaanite Jew, and what would eventually marry in through Edom and become the Edomite Pharisees that Jesus Christ dealt with. But the first retort was that, we be not born of fornication. Those who commit sin, John says, are born of fornication, born of the devil, X. That's what the word means. But continuing on in the final verse. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. Stopping again. Who is the world's first sinner? Who is the first person transcribed in the Bible to do evil? Well, it's straightforward in the book of Genesis. It's Cain through his murder of his quote-unquote brother or stepbrother Abel. So what John is telling you here is those that are born of the devil, well, guess what? They sin from the beginning, just like Cain. The one single seed liners cannot answer to the aspect of why Cain was born evil. Why? Because they want to attribute it to Adam. They want you to believe that Yahweh God erred in creation somehow, and Cain just metaphorically, through chance, and through an epiphany, was born evil and woke up one day and decided, hey, you know what, I'm going to go out and commit murder. As if Yahweh God is imperfect. But he is not. John is confirming right here that whoever does righteousness is born of God. This is how we know tears from weight. And whosoever does sin, which is what? A transgression of the law is born of the devil. In a proverbial sense, either way you look at it, you can be in one or two camps, no gray area. You're either accepted of Yahweh God or not. But continuing on, again, for the devil sins from the beginning. Final verse. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, the devil has works, and that should be pointed out first and foremost from this quote. 
The enemy wants to come along and say, well, God's omnipotent, and in that he's true. And the scripture says there cannot be evil done in a city unless Yahweh God hath not done it, quote-unquote. The book of Job is a perfect example of that. Yahweh God creates evil, but Yahweh God also controls evil and is separate from evil. Even though he's omnipotent, he has no place within it. But through works, not through what people say with their mouth. That's how we know. Jesus Christ says, judge a tree and or a family tree according to what it does, not what it says. The Jew will come along like a tear and say, I'm Christian too. I'm a Jew for Jesus. But John says, don't be fooled. John says, judge a tree according to their fruit. And understand the very straightforward teaching here. He that's righteous does righteous works. He that is evil does evil. And so on that note, dear kinsfolk, understand the concept of what we're trying to put forth this evening. Judge a tree according to their fruits and what they bring forth. If all they can do is slander, attack, and lie against preachers that are better than them, well, chances are pretty good that they're born of sin. Chances are pretty good that they're telling you and wearing their faithlessness on their sleeve as the terror they are, explaining to you, hey, I'm of the devil because I engage in sin. And what is sin? violation of the law it's all quite so simple when you truly stay in his word there a little here a little the word of god truly is pregnant and it will grow in wisdom meaning the more you know the more you stay in his word the more yahweh god can use you and impart his wisdom unto you so with that being established once again i'll invite you to join me and obadiah Every Wednesday at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time for another Obi and Visser Variety Show slash Wednesday Night Bible Study. You never know who's going to tune in. As Obadiah pointed out, we have Pastor Bob coming back. We're expecting perhaps Pastor Morris Gillette, Bill Fink, several other key features within Christian identity. But as always, dear kinsfolk, the Covenant People's Radio is 100%, well, 95% Amy Rose free, meaning you will not have to hear Talmudic filth for the most part. There is a time and a place for everything, and there is a Watchman on the Wall interview and a broadcast forthcoming from this pulpit. So until then, this is Pastor Visser once again, live from America, wishing you and yours great studies, war for Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies, Enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.